It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Be seated just for a moment. I, I want to share something with the Word just real quick. Hallelujah. Let me find it. I was actually looking at this scripture. had no intention of sharing it. It's in the book of Haggai, chapter 2. I'm going to read it in the Amplified. You're going to have to let me read it, and then I'll go through it. It says in verse 12, if one carries in the skirt of his garment flesh that is holy because it has been offered in sacrifice to God and with his skirt or the flaps of his garment he touches bread or pottage or wine or oil of any kind of food, does what he touch become holy, dedicated to God's service exclusively? And the priest answered, no. Now listen to this. Holiness is not infectious. Then Haggai said, if one who is ceremonially unclean because he has come into contact with a dead body should touch any of these articles of food, shall it be ceremonially, un ceremonially unclean? And the priest answered, it shall be unclean. Unholiness is infectious. Do you see that? Holiness, notice what it says, holiness is not infectious unholiness is infectious now the reason I'm saying this is because people get involved sometimes with other people they get involved with situations and circumstances that aren't holy they're not righteous and I'm telling you your holiness does not make it holy their unholiness makes you unholy and unrighteous now we're not, we're not going to study this tonight or, or take time to go through it but I'll, I'll, I'll help you with it a little bit in the spirit world, there are spirits always trying to influence your decisions. Always trying to influence. There's the Holy Spirit that wants to influence your decisions. There's the Word of God that desires to influence your decisions. There's Jesus Himself that wants to influence your decisions. Then there's all kinds of spirits of oppression, deception, all kinds of stuff like that that want to influence your decision. Now, when you get around people who have already been influenced by a spirit of unholiness. If you don't watch yourself, that stuff can get over on you and influence your decisions. That's why a lot of people get real cooled off when it comes to church. They get around people that just don't have any fire in them. They get around people that don't have any zeal in them. They get around people that don't have any they don't have any heart for God. They just, you know, they come to church ceremonially. They kind of come to church and worship God. Now, if they're in a crisis, they really get turned on. But as soon as that crisis is over, they get turned off. You know, in my own personal life, I know a lot of ministers, a lot of preachers. A lot of preachers want to hang out, want to want to do things, stuff like that. I don't do it with a lot of preachers because a lot of preachers are just, just kind of hanging around, seeing what's going to happen. I get around guys that are on fire. I get around guys that have a purpose and a vision and an anointing upon them. You say, why? Because I want you to know, I want that holiness working in me, and I don't want it tainted by some kind of unholiness. So some of you in here, you need to realize there's people in your life, circumstances in your life, you need to cut it off. 
Because if you don't cut it off, there's something unholy going to get a hold of you. And that unholiness will mark you and cause you to make decisions that are going to be destructive in your life. And you don't want that. You don't want to have to spend a year or two years recovering from some dumb thing you did. Amen? You say, well, I'm just trying to help them. Quit trying to help them. You say, I'm just trying to help them. Quit. Listen, if they can't come to church and be helped by the anointing of God, the Word of God, pastoral ministry, teaching, what makes you think you're going to help them? Amen? Best thing to do is say, you need help? Come on, let's go to church. We'll get you some help. Amen? Otherwise, you can get infected with that. And it will affect, that infection will affect your faith. And faith affects everything. It'll affect your worship, your righteousness, your health, your prosperity, and everything else in your life. Amen? Everybody say, I'm going to live holy. Say, I'm going to live holy. Say, help me, Lord, to recognize unholiness. I will not yield to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Joshua chapter 1 this evening. Let's teach the Word for just a few minutes. How many love the Word of God? I do. I love the Word. I love sitting under the teaching of the Word. And I tell you, you say, well, I just get, I've got enough Word. There's just too much Word being taught. Well, you just, I don't know, you just need to get saved. Joshua chapter 1. Let me read, and then we'll come back and look at it. Verse 6. Of Joshua chapter 1 it says, Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe us to do all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observest, observeth to do all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever Thou goest. Now, there's no greater life enhancement on earth than living for God. But you must live within the perimeters of the will of God for your life. So many people desire God's blessing in their life, but they're unwilling to live within those perimeters of the will of God. Now, let me just say this. The will of God is not hard to find. Amen. I mean, you can go do things your way if you want to. And you may find success. You may find happiness. But the true reality of life and living life will never, never be in your life. The true joy of the Lord, the true strength of the Word of God, the, th the true fire of God. And let me just say this. You'll miss out on what God's doing. More than anything on this earth, I want to be a part of what God's doing. No matter what that means for me. No matter what that means. I mean, if the Lord were to say to me, you know, you turn this church over to somebody else and you, you sell everything you have and, and you go here, you go there, you, I'll do it in a minute. If I know it's the Spirit of God telling me to do it, I'll do it in a minute because I do not want to miss what God is doing in these days. 
And listen, you don't get there. You don't just happen to get there by accident. You have to consecrate yourself. No matter what, you say, well, you're a pastor, you're a preacher. Don't ever use any excuse like that to cop out when it comes to the will of God in your life. Every individual ought to, more than anything else, be seeking the will of God. Lord, what is your will for my life? What do you desire for me? How do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be around? What, what do you want for? I mean, in every area and aspect of your life, the will of God ought to be preeminent in your life. That Listen, that's where your health is. That's where your wealth is. That's where all of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God and the favor of God come into your life. And I guarantee you, if you'll just seek the will of God, then hear from God and obey it, you will be able to get. You will be able to uh, reap those things and live like that. Now, Joshua here, in, in Joshua chapter one, is entering in. Everybody say entering in to the fullness of the will of God for his life. Joshua started out as a servant of Moses. That's what he was. I don't know how willing he was, how reluctant he was, but for forty years. He followed this old man around. Amen? Now, if we go back and study his life, you will see that he gained great experience from serving. Let me say that again. He, he gained great experience from serving. He got around the anointing. There were times when, 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 when Moses would go into the tabernacle and the glory of God would fall on that tabernacle. And Moses would go out and minister to the people, and the Bible says that Joshua would linger in the presence of the Lord. Amen? You know, when I first began in ministry, that's all I wanted to do was just serve people. I mean, I, wanted to, I, mean, I, I preached uh, camp meetings up in uh, Lamarck at Abundant Life many, for many years. But many of those years that I, well, not many of them, all of them. I think all of those years but one, the year that you were pregnant. All of those years... I, 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 in, in 13 different camp meetings that we were in, I did two of them. I was a main speaker two times, but all the other times I, was, I, I taught during the day. I was uh, sometimes two, sometimes three times in day meetings. But not only that, I picked up speakers and dropped them off. Went to the airport. You know, that, that one day, what, what is that day? Uh, the day before Thanksgiving. That's a terrible day to go to the airport. I used to have to go every time. Before Jesse Duplantis got an airplane, he flew southwest. And I'd have to go pick up Jesse. And man, it was, and he always left right after the service on, on Wednesday night. And I would cook, we would cook gumbo. We would make pies. We would, we would serve. I mean, we did that even when I was well known in ministry. Other meetings I would go to, I'd find out, how can I help you? What can I do? Yeah, I may be a speaker, I may be, but what can I do? How can I help serve? What can I do to help make this easier for you? Because Joshua gained a servant's heart in serving Moses, and because of that, that was his promotion into a place of leadership. But you've got to enter in. Everybody say, enter in. Enter in. Now, he's entering in. Now, not only is it the will of God for his life, but it's the will of God for an entire nation to enter into the promised land. Now, let me say this. And this, this if you ever really get a hold of this, this will deliver you of selfishness. You think, well, it really doesn't make any difference, Pastor, whether I'm in the will of God or not. You know, I can just come to church, hang out, and, and you know, uh, if I really need God, then I'll pray, come to a prayer meeting maybe. But, you know, I mean, you know, I've got other things to do. I, I've got my own agenda. I've got my career. got this, got that. But let me just say something. You may not think that the will of God in your life 
just as an individual sitting in a church on Wednesday night affects other people. But I'm going to tell you, absolutely it does. As much as the will of God in my life not only affects you. Now see, this is some things we don't talk about around here. You know, I'm pastor of Island Church. That's the way most of you know me. But did you know I'm not only that, I'm a national speaker. I speak all over this country. Not only that, I'm an international speaker. And I've been one for years. I've been a national and an international speaker. All, not only that, we support missions all over the world. Not, not, not only that, we're connected to, to other churches, believe in God to birth other churches. Uh, we're connected to Bible schools. We're connected to uh, medical missions. Kind, listen, if I don't do the will of God for my life, it's, it doesn't just affect me and Leah and Breland. It affects thousands of people. The same thing is true of you. You think, well, it really doesn't matter for me. I'm not a pastor. I'm not this or that. Yes, it does. It, affect, it will affect hundreds and thousands of people. And if you, can't, if you can't conceive of that, think of this. It affects your family. Some of you need a move of God in your family. You need your, 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 your mom, your dad, your, your brothers, your sisters, your siblings, your cousins, your aunts. Your, they need to get saved or they're going to go to hell. Remember what we said? Hell is forever. And you finding and, and flowing in the will of God for your life affects all of that. God wants to bless you. God wants to increase you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to greatly enhance your life, but He cannot do it outside the confines of His will in your life. Now let me say this. He said, well, I knew somebody got healed and they, they really wasn't serving God. There's always the mercy of God. But don't you bank on that. Because here's your problem. Once you come into the knowledge of something by the Word of God, you're responsible for it. And God will hold you responsible and accountable for what you know. You say, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, you did. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to come to church. Yeah, you did. I didn't know I was supposed to tithe and all that. Yeah, you did. I don't know he's supposed to walk in faith. Yes, you do know that. I've taught it over and over and over and over. And you know that, and you're responsible for that. Now listen, the reason I'm teaching, I've been teaching these things on Wednesday night instead of going into Proverbs like we were planning to do, is because God is wanting to bless you. God spoke this word to me. He says, I want my people at Island Church positioned for blessing. You've got to be in the right position to be blessed. That's, where, that's why we're teaching on how to be blessed on Wednesday nights and teaching on the authority of the believer on Sunday so that you can use your authority to get into the place of what God wants you to be. And I'm telling you, let me just say this. Don't take this the wrong way, but let me, let me say this because this is, this is reality. In the will of God, you're bulletproof. I'm going to tell you, in the will of God, you're bulletproof. You say, I, I don't know if I believe it. Yes, you are. I mean, if God called you to, to Damascus, Syria, to start a church, and that's the will of God for your life, you can go there and not be afraid of ISIS or radical Islam or anything else because that's the will of God for your life, and there's a provision of protection for you to do that. Amen? Amen. Uh, 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 an acquaintance we had for many years, an old, wonderful old minister of God, Brother uh, Lester Summerall, got his, got his largest assignment at age 75, had served God and served God. We were actually in the service where he announced it. Way back the, the first camp meeting that Abundant Life Christian Center had, Brother Summerall came from Jerusalem 
had been praying in Jerusalem with two young men. At that time, they were young men. Now they're older. Off Ekman and Rod Parsley. And God gave him a vision and a word and said, there are Christians that go to bed every night and pray, give us this day our daily bread, and they have no bread to eat, and I want you to feed them. And Brother Summerall said, why don't you tell these two young men to do it? And God spoke to him and said, it took me 75 years to get you in a position to hear the will of God for your life to do this. It will be the largest branch of your ministry. Man, when you hear the testimony of what God did, gave him airplanes, gave him ships, gave him food, and that that ministry still operates all over the world today, feeding hungry Christians and evangelizing the world. And I'm going to tell you what happened. He was in a friend of mine's church when he was in his late 80s. He's flying home on his own own jet. He calls his secretary over. It was a, a man that traveled with him. He said, I'm finished. He said, what? He said, I'm through. He thought he was talking about, you know, with the meeting and stuff. He said, you don't understand. I'm through. He was saying, you know what he said? I'm going to heaven. By the time the airplane landed, his body had shut down. They took him to the hospital. Two days later, he was in heaven. Amen. That's what God wants for you. To live in his will. To be blessed of the Lord. Listen, I was around him. Many times, sat at dinner tables with him. He wasn't the kind of guy that, you know, uh, just afraid of every little thing and, and, and oh, I, I can't eat this because this is fattening uh, and I can't eat that because I might can't. Man, he just, he just lived life and he lived it big in the will of God. Now, I'm saying that's not, that stuff isn't, you know, isn't wrong because I do that a lot. I, you know, exercise, take vitamins, watch my diet. But he wasn't like that. I mean, I've never seen a guy eat like that. That man could eat. But I'm telling you, in the will of God, the blessing of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God have a way of keeping you, helping you, protecting you, keeping you blessed financial, financially and healthy. Now notice this. Go back up to verse, verse 6 again. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide an inheritance of the land. Now, he, he's saying, now here's the will of God for you, Joshua. First of all, you got to be strong. Everybody say strong. strong. This isn't for weaklings. Amen. So I'm so weak, Pastor. Well, you, you're going to have to learn to get strong in the Lord. Once you get strong in the Lord, then you can start, start doing Then courageous. Everybody say courageous. Now, if you ever think one moment of your life that you don't need courage to do the will of God, you're wrong. If you're looking for something that takes no courage, something that takes no intestinal fortitude for you to step out into the things of God, you will not find it in the will of God for your life. The will of God for your life is going to take some courage. It's going to take some strength. Amen? I remember when we first went into the field ministry, I mean, it it, it was like, what are we going to do? Who wants somebody who just got out of Bible school to come preach in their church? I had to be strong. I had to have courage. Amen? So I spent my time fasting, praying, and preparing. And in the meantime, serving. And then a little door would open here. And a little door would open there. And I tell you, I'd be so excited. And I'd go, and you know, thinking you're going to raise the dead and, and split the Red Sea. Amen? And you get up and preach 20 minutes and preach everything you know. But we stayed strong. And we stayed courageous. And we did it year after year after year after year. And then God said, no more. You're going to have to change. Another phase. Your second phase of ministry. 
Brother Kenneth E. Hagin said, 99% of all ministers never finish their first phase of ministry. Thank God I'm on my second, and the Lord's already given us some revelation of our third. Amen? It took strength. I'm telling you, to shut down Rusty Martin Ministries, to sell our building in Lamarck, to make the decision to come to it took some strength. It took some courage. We got, we got confirmation. We got, you know, people gave us words and people did that. But we, ha- we had to make the decision one day, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is the will of God for our life. We have to be strong and we have to be courageous. Because I'm telling you, the devil get into your mind. He'll say, you'll never have any more money. You'll go down there and fail. You'll, 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 this is wrong. And I'm telling you, all kind, if you let it, all kinds of voices will discourage you. And try to keep you from doing the will of God. And that is literally the enemy's greatest opposition again. Sure, he'll oppose your finances. He'll come against your health. But more than anything else, he opposes the will of God in your life. You say, why? Because the will of God in your life demonstrates his defeat and proves there is a God. Amen. Be strong and of good courage. For thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers... Only be thou strong and what? Now, now, now he puts a, what is that, an adverb? Where's my English teacher? An ad, is that an adverb which, which amplifies? Very courageous. He said, well, I'm not very courageous. It's the word that gives you courage. It's faith that gives you courage. Come on, church. It's faith and the word that gives you courage. That's why you need to sit under the word day after day. You need to meditate on the word day after day. You need to make sure the word is preeminent in first place in your life because that word will produce the courage you need to get right into the will of God. Be very courageous. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, uh, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Now let me say something. The will of God in your life is an uphill push. Amen? Anything rolling without effort is not of God. I like what Brother John Osteen used to say. Any old dead fish can float downstream. Did you hear that? Any old dead fish can float downstream. It takes a live one to swim up the stream. And I'm telling you, God wants to put some life in you. Amen? He wants to put some direction in you. Don't turn from the, he said, don't, that, that, that's the directional word. Don't turn from the right hand or to the left. I'm going to show you the way to go. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 7, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Go study. Get you an atlas and look at the rivers of the world. Not one of them is a straight line. Amen? Not one of them is a straight line. They all weave all around. You gotta understand, church, the will of God is an effort, and it'll take you all over the place. But you gotta be strong, everybody say strong and very courageous. Then I like to call this kind of like the capstone scripture of this chapter. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may observe us to do all that is written therein. Then now listen to this. This is this is so powerful. Then thou, thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. So, you know, we're always praying, Lord, I need, I need this, and I need that, and I need this. And, uh, you know, you, you're obviously responsible to give me something. 
But did you know your success is your responsibility? Well, I thought God would make my way made prosperous and God would give me good success. No, he empowers you to do it. And the formula is right there in that verse. Number one, the book of the law shall not depart where? Out of your mouth. You got to be a word talker. I said you got to be a word talker. Every day you ought to be talking the word. You ought to, it ought to come out of you. Yeah, I mean, when you're walking out, you're oh, thank you, Heavenly Father. You supply all my need. According to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus, I'm so thankful for your word. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy I got to go to church last night. I tithed on my paycheck, gave a little in the offering. Oh, my God. I thank you. You said if I give, it'd come back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Man, I'm so thankful. And you know I'm thankful for my health today. I thank you that Jesus was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity, chastised for my peace was involved. And I thank you, Father. I'm not crazy. You've not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I'm so thankful I have a sound mind. I'm not confused in any way. I, I mean, just all day long. All day long. You say, you, you, you talk about really getting into that Bible and living. I, yes. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and life. Every time this word is bubbling up out of your spirit, rolling around in your mind, coming out of your mouth, life is active on the inside of you. And every time you speak it, life is coming out of you. And some of you need to learn to speak, need to learn to speak some life to some of the situations of your life. Life to your health, life to your finances, life to your mind, life to your job, life to your business. Now, this is the will of God for you. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt what? Meditate therein. Now, this gives you your time schedule. Day and night. So this is real easy. Real easy. Go outside and look up. And if you find a great big ball of fire in the sky, it's time to meditate. Then meditate a while, and then go out after that sun goes away and see if it's dark. Now it's time to meditate again. So day and night, meditate on the Word. Actually, the word meditate means to mutter. Means to mutter. There's all kinds of times during the day when you can just be muttering the Word of God to yourself. Driving to work, coming home from work. You don't have to be some guy walking around shouting the Word of God all the time. Remember that guy in Hawaii we saw doing that? We, were in, uh, we went to Maui, I think, to see the whales. And we went to this place. And bless, you know, bless, this guy, bless his heart, he, I could tell he was, you know, had some issues. But he was just out there shouting the word. And you could tell he was a street person having some issues, you know. But he was just shouting. The, well, we thought that was cool. So we went and gave him a big old handful of money. He stopped shouting the word. Said, thank you. We walked off with the ear shout. He started shouting the word again. Amen. You say, what, are you, what point are you trying to make? He may have needed that money. He just called somebody that could hear. All day long. Meditate means to mutter, to take and turn over and over. A friend of mine years ago gave an illustration of a, of a tennis shoe in a dryer. Anybody ever dry tennis shoes in a dryer? They go, kathump, 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 kathump. He said, now you talk to that tennis shoe when it's wet. It just came out of the washing machine. And you say, okay, Mr. Tennis Shoe, I'm going to put you into the dryer. And when you get out of the dryer, I, wanna, I want you to tell me, where did you go in that dryer? So you put it in there for 30 minutes, and around it goes, blam, bam, boom, boom, bam. I remember my mom drying those tennis shoes and hearing that, hearing that dryer, them shoes flopping all over that dryer. So, so you finish drying them, the buzzer goes off, you open it up, you pull out your tennis shoe, and you ask the tennis shoe, where did you go in that dryer? And that tennis shoe will say to you, I went everywhere there was to go in the dryer. 
The word needs to go everywhere that it can go in your mind. And that happens by you muttering it, meditating about it. I tell you, there are times when you just need to lay across your bed with the word of God and just meditate. Listen, many times it will strengthen you more than prayer will. There are times when meditation on the Word of God will put strength in you where if, if you go and spend that, that, that 30 or 45 minutes in prayer, you may feel even weaker because you ain't praying based on anything that you know. Where you meditate on the Word of God, you're meditating on life. That's one of the best things to do is spend about 10 or 15 minutes meditating on the Word, then begin to pray. Meditate day and night. Then, notice this, then thou shalt make thy way prosper. No, no, excuse me. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now notice this. That thou mayest observe to do. Everybody say obedience. Listen, this is why I, I want to do my best to help you get the word into your life. I don't get mad at people who are not acting on the word if they haven't had any word. Amen. But your meditation upon the word, your observing to do it, your confession of the word, prepares you to obey the Word. Now let me say that again. You're meditating. Let let, let's, just, let's just kind of sweep the floor clean. How about that? Read the Bible. Let me say read the Bible. Meditate on the Word. Let me say meditate on the Word. Have the Word preached to you. Amen? Amen? That all prepares you to obey the Word. Because it's your obedience to the Word. Acting upon the Word puts life in your faith. And when you act upon the Word of God, you're acting in faith. So as you meditate, now, now, now that all starts with God giving you something, giving you revelation. Revelation of the Word of God is God's way of introducing you to the life that He wants you to have. That means when you hear something, not just listen, but all of a sudden you hear and it becomes rhema to you. It becomes life to you. It's, well, Pastor Rusty preached that, but that's my word. I got that word. I got that word. That's my word. He's delivered me from the power of darkness. He's translated me into the kingdom. That's my word. I got that. God gave that to you to what? Enhance your life. So when you begin to act upon that word, you're releasing that enhancement. Most people never... I said, well, I acted on the Word, and nothing happened. You probably just presumptuously acted on something without ever meditating, studying, wasn't revelation to you, wasn't real to you. All it was was an inspiration of something you may have heard or something that somebody else may have done. And then you go back and you, you act on it and nothing happens. And you think, well, that, that stuff doesn't work. There's multitudes of people out there that that's what happened to them. They sat under the teaching of the Word of God. And instead of allowing the Word of God to become real to them, through reading, having it taught, meditation upon the Word, speaking the Word in their life, they tried to just observe to do it, just ripped it off the page, said, I'll do that. All right. That's how you get rich. I'll do that. That's how you get healed. I'll do that. Go out and act on it, nothing happens. You know why? You didn't believe it in the first place. That's like somebody seeing, you know, Philippians 4.19, and, you know, my God supply all, the, all your need according to your, His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, you know, I'm just going, you know, and then a little bit about confession. The Bible says I have what I say. I'm just going to confess. I'm going to get 100 oil wells. 
God's going to give me 100 oil wells. I just, I just, I'm just going to start thanking him right now. So I, did you know you no more believe that? Because your capacity to believe is only expanded by the Word of God. It took Joshua 40 years for his capacity to be expanded so that a word could come to him that said, Hey, buddy, you're taking over. And you're leading the children of Israel into the promised land. And you're going to divide the land for them. This is the will of God. This is my will for your life. You're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be courageous. You're going to have to be strong. You have to be very courageous. You say, why did God say that to him? You know how these people are. They like to murmur, they like to complain, and they like to wander in the wilderness. That's their heritage. They got 40 years of it. They got 40 years of death and 40 years of wandering around in the hot sun. And you know what happened to, you know what happened to Joshua? He got real smart. He got real smart. Remember when Moses sent out spies? He sent out 12 spies. They were gone 40 days. They came back, and 10 of them stopped the entire nation See, it does matter. This wasn't, these weren't the leaders. These were just spies that were sent out. Ten of them, with their negative report, stopped the entire nation from going into the promised land. So when it came time for Joshua to send spies into Jericho, you know how many he sent? Two. He said, I learned. What was that? That was wisdom. The Bible says that Moses laid his hand upon him, and the spirit of wisdom came upon him. But God was preparing him for what? For the will of God in his life to go into the promised land, and not only to do that, could you think about dividing up a nation between 2 million people, say, say, you know, 500,000 families? Do you think there might be some conflict there? You think you might need a little wisdom to do that? You think you might need God to do that? When we get out here and argue over parking places? Come on. When we get mad, come in somebody sitting in our seat. Come on, I might give you a little picture of what Joshua was facing. So he had to begin to what? Meditate, speak the word, observe to do it. And buddy, he, he, he became a stickler. I'm telling you, he became a stickler. When they had that incident after Jericho, and they went out and fought that little battle, and all those Israelis got killed, and they knew there was something wrong, Buddy, he got on the Word of God. He found out where that happened. He, re he began to bring those tribes in front of him. He reduced it down to one. He brought those families in front. And listen, he did what the law said. He did not spare them. He, has, he, he executed them. He killed them. And he took all their stuff and dug a big hole and threw it in and said, That's it. Learn your lesson. That took courage. That took strength. He had been meditating upon the Word. He had been observing to do it. He was doing what? Making his way prosperous so that he would have good success. Now, real quick, my time's up. It's 8.30. Good success. I, I wrote these things down several years ago, but the, I went back and began to look at them again. Number one, good success does not compromise the integrity of the Word of God. Now, there are people in this life and in this world that have success, but it's not good. Just because you get a big old pile of money doesn't mean you have good success. There are people out there, they're heartbroken, confused, sick, addicted, afflicted, tormented, but they got a lot of money in the bank. 
some of the saddest things in, in our society is to see someone with so much potential. And just, and just everything you give them turns to gold. Everything they do, they have success. And their life ends up just terrible. Just sad. You've seen some of that recently, amen? But I'm telling you, good success, by the Word of God, will never compromise the integrity of the Word of God. Amen? Secondly, good success does not harm others for your own benefit. Now, how many people have gotten successful by harming others? Amen? And I'm telling you, that's a seed sown that always comes back on you. I've known people that grew up with guys who their dad and mom owned bars in this town. I know people that uh, worked in the alcohol industry, people that uh, dealt drugs. I'm telling you, not a one, not one of their families ever had good success. They had money. They had reputation. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, they had, they had divorce, they had cancer, they had overdose, they had you name it, they had, they had incarceration, they had mental breakdown, they had everything, everything that we find in the Bible in Deuteronomy 28 that's called the curse of the law. But the Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse. So good success will not harm your neighbor. It won't hurt the church. It won't hurt your family. And it won't hurt you. Mm-mm-mm. Number three, good success is part of spiritual growth and development. That means the more you get good success in your life, the more you want to keep it, and the more you want to see it grow. You find out who your source is, you find out how faith operates. You see how the blessings of God flow. Uh, 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 Brother Keith Hershey and I had breakfast this morning before I left. And uh, he is a, uh, uh, there's a pastor up in Chicago. Many of you know him named Bill Winston. Well, he and Keith are best friends. I mean, want Bill to come to the church. He's closer than he's ever been. Well, he started out with nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. And now he has a mega church up in Chicago. He flies a G4 airplane all over the world. He, he is literally affecting millions for Jesus Christ. But Keith was telling me the story about when he first met him. And they had a little bitty storefront. And he said, I went and met him. He had a little bitty office. And he said, in there, I talked to him about missions. And he th- said, that's what I want to do. I want to help in missions. And he said, right then, this is like 35 years ago, he began to help him in missions. And he said, for 20 years, that's all it was, a little church of about 200 people. He said, all of a sudden, just like you'd snap your fingers, God started to move. They were able to get a building. It expanded. They were able to go, they were able to go, uh, their building only uh, seated like 2,800 people. Now they do three services on Sunday morning and pack it out three times. Seven in the morning, packed out 2,800 people. Nine in the morning, packed out 2,800 people. 11.15, packed out. It took time. It took much effort. 
It was uphill. Now he's in his mid-70s now. No, you know, he's, he's, he's older than I am. But here's the thing. He was willing to put in the time and the effort and what it took to find good success. But his spiritual growth and development through that caused him to be able to continue following the path of it. Instead of just stopping when a little success came, he continued to grow into it. Just because we have one breakthrough doesn't mean anything. Thank God we've bought the land. When we get the building, thank, listen, do you know how many pastors, the statistics on pastors getting out of the ministry one to two years after they build a building, building is alarming. It's over 75%. Lee and I know pastors ourselves. We were in building programs with them, and they built this, this great building, this beautiful building. Some of them by cash, paid it off, and then all of a sudden, that's it. That's not it. That was just the next thing. Hope you don't expect that of me. I've already got my heart on other things. In my spirit, the building's already built. No, we're already in that. I'm, look, I'm looking beyond that. You say, why? Because I'm not, I don't have any stop in me. I don't have any quit. I have no retirement program. Amen. Amen? I know sometimes you get tired of me, but I try to bring in other people. <laughs> number four. If I say number four, I just got two more, and then we'll, we'll go home. Number two, number two, number four, excuse me. Good success is easily shared with others. Amen. I've been around people. I've been around places. I used to go preach in places where there was a stingy spirit. I mean, in the church. I mean, just stingy. I mean, you'd get a pastor to get up and take a special offering while I was there preaching, around, and people just looked like, looked like they were baptized in pickle juice. Like they were mad. Amen. And, and about 19, when was that? Leah, 96 or 97, the Lord talked to me about the Empowered to Prosper Night. In our revivals, we started doing what was called Empowered to Prosper Night. That, 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 that means I'd get up and teach. And I'll, here's how I did it. I'd go to the pastor. And I'd say, Pastor, uh, now I, we're here again this, 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 this year. We're doing a Sunday morning through Wednesday night. But the Lord has spoken to me to do an Empowered to Prosper Night. Now I'm going to teach on prosperity and I'm going to receive an offering. Is that okay with you? Not one of them said no. And I, then I said this. I don't have any designs on the money. I don't care what you do with it. Doesn't matter to me whatsoever. You do whatever you want to with the money. I'm telling you, every church, probably 25 churches that we did that, every church without exception said this. It's the largest offering we've ever seen in this church. Everyone without exception. And every one of them gave it to me. Everyone without exception. Amen? You say why? Good success is easily shared. But not only that, we got testimony after testimony after testimony after that empowered to prosper night of churches paying off their buildings, churches getting new buildings, debts being retired, pastors getting homes, people in the church getting homes, all kinds of blessing taking place. See what I'm saying? Good success is easily shared with others. It's not hard for me to write a check for $10,000. I remember the first time, boy, it was tough. I didn't write it, but you did. It's tough for me to give the permission, permission to do it. Amen? But that started us on a path to good success. Amen? We were in the bank two years ago, and Leah had to write a check for a million dollars. What was it, a million, eight, 80,000, something like that. 
And here she was writing it, so I just sat down next to her. I said, how does it feel, Leah, to be a little girl from Abbeville, Louisiana, writing a check for a million dollars? She said, feels pretty good. It's awesome. It's good success. That was the day we went and purchased our land. We had to buy, what were they, cashier's checks. God will do the same for you. But if you're willing to, to, if you're not willing to take the success that God gives you. Last night we were in a miracle service. Pastor Mark Brzee was, was, was teaching and then the, just the glory of God came. You could see a mist in the building. And God was doing, three quarters of the people that needed miracles needed financial miracles. And the Lord gave me a word that he was going to pour out finances, but he's going to give them seed. A lot of people get a windfall. There it is. There's my blessing. When God says, no, I give seed to the sower, then I give bread to the eater. A lot of that money that came in back when we were in field ministry. I'm telling you, we were going to churches where we, for 10 years, we got a $2,500 offer, and all of a sudden we get $25,000. We took that money, and what did we do? We gave it and sowed it and gave it and sowed it and went to, did missions work and helped churches and sowed it and sowed it and sowed it. You say, why would you do that? Because it's easy to share the success that God gives you. One more, then we'll close. Amen? One leads to another. Amen? It leads to future good success because today's good success provides seed for tomorrow's. Listen, what God blesses you with, that's not all. I've seen that happen to people. They get a little windfall, you know, $100,000 check, something, $50,000, and they're like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And I'll put it, put it all in the bank, take it over and hide it, stick it under the mattress. That ain't going to do you no good. What if God spoke to you to give it all? I've been there and done that. Man, if, God's, if, you, if you get a $100,000 windfall and God says, put that in a building fund, you ought to rejoice. That's a seed for a million-dollar harvest. Come on, church. Last year, the Lord spoke to us on the way to Fire for the Nations and said, you're going to give $100,000 in this meeting. I was, I was rejoicing. I thought, glory to God. There's our seed for our money we need for our building. There it is, Lord. And then he told me, he said, take two checks. In a couple of weeks, uh, Brother John Avelina is going to come here and tell the testimony of what one of those checks did. It's going to blow your mind. Then the other one, we saw the results when Egan Falk was here of the Bible school that Pastor Sam just dedicated, and there were 2,100 ministers there in a minister's conference, and the power of God fall, and blessed it. We got to be a part of all of that. But I rejoiced because I knew we only had that $100,000 because of good success. But I realized, oh, i got to go. Oh, oh, we better hang on. we got to build a building. Oh, we can't spend a penny of that. No, no. It's the seed for what we need tomorrow. So I was so thankful. And then, and then, and then our conference came, and the Lord said, I want you to give $100,000. I want the church to put up $50,000, and I want you to take a $50,000 offering. And send $100,000 to Nairobi, Kenya. I thought, Lord, you're fixing to do exceedingly abundantly. Above all we can ask or think. I thank you, Father. I glorify your name. I was so excited about that. And it was so cool. I think the first night, the offering was, what, $3,000? Second night, it was like $4,000. Third night, it was $51,000. That's called supernatural. See, God will do the same for you. He'll do the same thing for you. But you've got to make a decision. 
It has to be your purpose in life. You ought to pray that prayer of consecration when you go, Lord, what is your will? What is your will? Reveal it to me. Now, generically, for all of us, it's the same thing. It's God's will that we be saved. It's God's will that you be empowered, filled with the Holy Ghost. It's God's will you be part of the local church and tithe and offer. It's God's will that you serve in the local church. Now, once you do that, now you have positioned yourself. Now you are in a position to hear from the Father as He begins to say, this is why I made you. This is why I allowed you to be alive on this planet. This is what I want for you. And this is where you will find good success. Let me tell you something. It is worth everything it takes to find it. Amen? You love the Lord? Well, lift your hands up and worship God. Father, we worship you tonight. Lord, we glorify your name. Lord, we exalt you and we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the good success that you produce in our lives. And tonight, by the Word of God and by the anointing that is on that Word, let us consecrate in our hearts, no matter what it takes, to do the will of God so that we might prosper and have good success and affect the multitudes that you desire us to affect for Jesus Christ. And everyone says, Amen. Stand on your feet this evening. Father, we bless your name. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word tonight. Lord, we receive your word. We receive it into our hearts. We receive it into our spirits. Thanking you, Heavenly Father, that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Now, Father, we thank you for all the provision you give us. Thank you for the provision of protection, for safety. We claim Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Therefore, we thank you, Heavenly Father, whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, or the railways, we are protected and kept safe. Father, we thank you also for your provision of protection and the righteous labor of our hands as we handle the resource that you've given us, whether we work for someone else or own our own business. We thank you, Heavenly Father, no, no, no accidents, no trauma, no terror, evil plans of wicked men, or that which the devil would try to conspire to do will come nigh us, for we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Father, let the fire of God burn in us this week. Let us be on fire to do your will out of the, outside the four walls of the church. Let the fire of evangelism burn in our heart. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that each and every one of us has a voice, and that voice can be used to be a blessing to people to be a problem to the adversary, to be an answer to somebody's prayer and a miracle in their life. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you here at Island Church, Lord. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Don't forget prayer on Saturday night. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113.
We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.